Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this latest online sermon. So glad you're here. Um, we're praying that God will work powerfully through this ministry. And if he has, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. That's impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week, please feel free to give online. There's a giving tab on our website. But now may God bless you through the preaching of his word. Thank you again for being here. Yeah, I just need to reflect a little bit. It was an awesome Sunday. Um, if you were not here, we had Teen Sunday, and it was awesome seeing teens do music, and they were reading, and we, we raised $1,200 uh, to send our teens to the Colorado Youth Rally, and could I get some noise over that? And it was just one of those Sundays where you could feel the excitement and, and just the great things that God was doing. And I don't think today is going to be anything less. In fact, uh, I'm ready for God to do great things today and glad that you are here. Uh, so let's get to it. Let's get to the Word. And I want to know, how many of you here would consider yourself a goal setter? Goal setters in the room? Okay, okay. For me, I don't do it naturally. In fact, probably I hate goals. But I want to talk a little bit about goals today. And I want to know if anyone came into this room asking this question, where do you want to be in life? Where do you want to be? Maybe you've ever considered this. Maybe there's some here who work for a company, but you're not in your preferred position. That it's just a matter of time before you climb that ladder and get to where you really want to be. Maybe there's some students here pursuing education waiting to get into that class, waiting to, to get to that place. Maybe it's a family goal about where you're going to live, about how many kids you're going to have. Maybe it's a physical goal. I go to the gym a lot. Maybe your goal is like mine and you just want to be this guy. right? It's the PG version of Michelangelo. You're welcome. And so maybe you know what it's like to go to the gym and set like goal weights and things like that. And, and maybe it's a financial goal. Maybe there's some with uh, Dave Ramsey and the, the Financial Peace University. And so your goal is to, to get out of debt and to start saving for this and that. I want to ask another question. Not only where do you want to be, but then I want to follow up with this question. What's it take to get there? And this is really where I fall down as a goal setter. Because I don't mind imagining a preferred future. In fact, I love to dream. What I mind is the answer to this. <laughs> because if your experience is anything like mine, you know what the answer is in general. The answer is this. It's more. <laughs> That's what it takes. You want to get in that place in your company? It means more time, more energy, more pouring yourself into, maybe more education, which would mean more money. You want to get to, again, that, 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 that grad school. It means working harder in your school right now. It, it means, again, getting that time in for homework and, and money to pay for grad school, all that good stuff. You want to be physically fit. More weights, more treadmill. The only thing you have less of is food, but it's more in general, right? And, and when I get to that point, when I experience more, the, the, the feeling, the sensation of striving, it, at least for me, is this. That, that I can up my intensity to get to that goal, but upping the intensity just spins me around further. And sometimes I feel like my goal is here, but I'm stuck on the hamster wheel. And will I ever get to the goal? Because as much as I try, I don't get there. Can I be more candid? So, sometimes I, uh, I do, uh, some, someone asked me, you know, do you have a goal weight? You know, a goal weight to be at? I hate that question. You know why? Uh, real candid, every time I set a goal weight for myself, I immediately am hungry, and I immediately gain five pounds. 
So, so I'm not even on the hamster wheel. I'd settle for the hamster wheel. I like take backwards, right, once I set that goal. And that is why, if you're accustomed to more, it is so wonderful to hear the words relax. It's so wonderful to hear it's going to be all right. So wonderful to say, take it easy. And that's what I want to consider today as we talk about not trying so hard. But I want to flip from earthly goals to spiritual goals. Is that all right? Um, Because that's why we're really here. We're here to talk about spiritual things. And and by the way, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad you're here to to hear this word and hear this message. Um, but, But what we want to consider all together is this question. What would it take to be right with God? Now, if you are a Christian, the answer to this is, is essential. You want to know the answer to this. And if you're not a Christian, maybe you've at least asked this question. And what I love about asking this is it's, it's such a lofty goal to be right with God. But what it takes, I love the answer. Because what we'll find, it's not the accustomed more. It's something different. It's something that gives peace. It's something that lets us breathe. And my heart today was for you guys just to breathe today, to breathe in this message. So let's get to it. The Word of God we get to consider today is from the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews is an interesting book. Let me tell you a little bit about it. It's in the New Testament, but we don't know its author. I think it might be Apollos based on what's written in Acts. Um, what we don't know, the author, I do have a hunch, though, about what this author likes. I, I think this author likes craft brew. And that is because he named his uh, book, He Brews? Bad joke, I'm sorry, I got the microphone. Anyway, um, (laughs) while we don't know the author and we don't know much about him, what we do know is the gist of the letter. That what he's basically saying is everything in the Old Testament, all the ceremonies, all the sacrifices, even all the stories, point to Jesus. And that's what we're going to consider today, that that the theme is it all points to Jesus. We're going to consider how the Old Testament system of sacrifices all point to Jesus. And that's what we get to discuss today. So let's get into it. I invite you to follow along, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, in your worship folder. It says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Now this struck me, and I can't do a whole sermon today about what's going on in Paris, right? But hopefully this strikes you as it strikes me. That we have in Jesus a king who is reigning now and a king who will reign forever. That though I don't have answers for all the chaos, I do have an answer for who is king. His name is Jesus. He holds us in the palm of his hands until the time he'll bring us to be with him, which is better by far. So if you're upset at all by what's happening, if you're wondering about the chaos in our own lives, you need to know King Jesus is still on his throne. He is still reigning, and he holds you in the palm of his hands. Enough of a tangent. Anyway, I love that verse. Goes on to say, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever. (laughs) He has made perfect forever. We're going to get to that. Those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. This is the Word of God. Recently, I got together with a bunch of other pastors in a a circuit 
we have a circuit of churches and we have meetings and, and we were studying this together. And I just had this thought as I was studying these words, if our people, if God's people got half of what I was getting through that discussion, that they would be blessed. And so that's my promise. You'll get half of the intelligence of others because that's who I am. But anyway, we're going to consider these words and the power that's there. We continue. I like coffee. I don't know if anyone has noticed the color of my coffee cup here. And maybe there are some who came in today uh, hearing about the red cup controversy of 2015. And it seems like all news reporters early in this week, they took a break from anything else serious, right? ISIS got a break, you know, Syrian refugees got a break, um, even Bieber got a break, so we could all focus on a red cup at Starbucks, right? And the interesting thing is some people say this is taking Christ out of Christmas because it doesn't say Merry Christmas. But then the debate is I'm not sure it ever did. But I wanted to ask with you and consider the red cup controversy just a little bit more. Um, Is it really the cup's job to proclaim the message of Christmas? What do you think? No! In fact, I would say that's the church's job. Right? That's how I read it anyway. That it is Christians who make up the church who are to go and proclaim Jesus is born. Jesus became like us, fully God, fully man, in order to save us. That is the church's job, right? And can you imagine with me, how effective would it be if we put all our hopes for the Christmas message in a cup? That'd be pretty dire, right? We could even write Luke 2 on there. I'm not sure how much it'd get done, right? It's a method to my madness. You still with me? Okay, well... Just as it's ineffective and useless and futile to rely on a cup to communicate Christmas, so in our lesson it says there was something else useless, something else futile, something that would not get the job done when it comes to God. Let's look again at verse 11. Verse 11 says, day after day, and there's this idea of repetition, day after day after day after day. This is like the dishes. This is the laundry. This is cleaning basically anything because it's going to get dirty again, right? Day after day after day after day after day, they're doing something. The priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again, offering the same sacrifices. But get this, it can never take away sin. So, so first I want to consider with you what they were doing in the Old Testament. If you worshipped in the Old Testament, if this was Old Testament day, you would have brought an animal with you. And depending on your level of income, it might have been a dove if you were kind of poor. It might have been a goat or a sheep or it might have even been a bull. And if we were worshipping the Old Testament, I would be the butcher. And I would take your friendly animal and I would cut its head off and I would sprinkle its blood everywhere and I'd burn it up as an offering to God. Isn't that awesome? Let's go back to that way. <laughs> And all of these were to know that sin needed sacrifice. If I sin, sorry, Tweety Bird, you're gone. If I sin, sorry, Billy the Goat, you're gone. Right? If I sin, it needs a sacrifice. And that was over and over and over and over. That's all they did in the Old Testament. You read the book of Leviticus, and that's what we find is all these directions on how to bring sacrifices to God because sin needed sacrifice, sin needed sacrifice. But none of them accounted for sin. And it kind of reminds me to this day, we don't do the repetition of sacrifices anything, but, but go with me here. If you're a Christian, what are some of the day-to-day activities you might do? And there are really good things to do day-to-day. Some of the day-to-day activities that I would promote for you to do is a prayer life. If you don't have an active prayer life, to consider how you're talking to God. Some of the active things we do day-to-day is opening the Word. Open the Word. I, I, I recommend it with, with yourself and with your family. These are good things to do. Or maybe your day-to-day is listening to podcasts. Maybe day-to-day you're thinking about how I can be a good spouse 
or how I can be a good mom, or how I can just be kind to that difficult person. These are the day-to-day activities that we're caught up with, aren't they? But what you need to know is that at the end of the day, this, your day-to-day activity isn't what makes you right with God. You don't have a right standing because your prayer life is superior to someone else's. You don't have a right standing because you are the best parent ever. You don't have a right standing based on reading the Bible, even though I advocate read the Bible, do it regularly, do it often, but your right standing doesn't come through that. And so it makes me think, what is it we could give to God that would be acceptable? And we're in the season of gift giving. Does anyone else exchange names for gift giving among family members? I got a a name, and it's kind of a bummer because this is like the perfect gift giver. Like, he, like, always blows it out of the box, and now I got him. You know, I'm trying to rack my brain. Like, how do I get this guy the perfect gift? Like, epic fail already, right? And I consider spiritually, sometimes we get in the same mentality with God. Like, what could I bring you, God, that you might look upon me with with joy? What what could I bring you, God, that that could, could ever make you, me, right with you? And the resounding answer that we have here is that it isn't animals. <laughs> you could kill the whole farm and, and, and God wouldn't be pleased, which is an example of you, you could give all your treasure, everything you have in, in IRAs and 401ks and all that, and he, it wouldn't do the job, right? You could do all the day-to-day activity and it wouldn't get it done. It would be, be all the, the good things. And I consider the only thing that we bring to God is the worst gift ever. It's our sinful, stinking selves. That's all I got. That's all I bring him. And so if it's up to me to try to win my way with God, if it's up to me to do more and more and get on the hamster wheel of spirituality to prove I'm right with God, I cannot get it done. And if you're tempted to think that you'll get it done by those gifts, I'm here to tell you that isn't the truth. So there has to be a different way. And that is the way revealed. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, it says, But when this priest, can you say this priest with me on the count of three? One, two, three. This priest, and this is Jesus. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. See, Jesus is a priest in the same realm of Levitical priests, and he stands up to offer in a sacrifice. And it's not going to be a dove, and it's not going to be a goat, it's not going to be a cat or dog, don't worry. He offers himself. Jesus pays our death on the cross. And in this, he drops the microphone and says, I'm out, it's done. Or if you read the account, he said, and it is finished. And that's the radical peace we live in. You know, the church has carried this on in symbolism. You might know this table is what we consider as an altar, and we don't bring uh, goats or doves or anything else. Rather, we just put the cross there because we say once for all it is done. No sacrifice ever because of that one. And so I asked you the question, what would it take for you to be right with God? And I love the answer. It isn't more of you. And it's not even less of you. The answer is none of you and all of Jesus. None of you and all of Jesus. And I was dreaming about today, I just wish that we could just live in that peace, the peace of this this gospel, this week and all our days. I think it put everything else in perspective. 
And so I want to talk a little bit more about the implications of this piece. I want to talk a little bit more of how realizing this might just change our day-to-day. You ready? What, what, what I see here is a dichotomy between a priest who stands and is doing things and Jesus who sat down. And I don't know about your life or the household you grew up in, but the only way we were able to sit down growing up is if all the work was done. You know what I'm saying? And I consider there's a great Lowe's commercial out there. I don't know if you've seen this guy. And he's got a like, conversation with himself. And he's like, dude, you've got to go to Lowe's today, so what can he do tomorrow? Watch the game, right? So he can sit down and watch the game. That, that once you, again, uh, do all the work, then you can sit down. So, so I read in verse 12 that Jesus sat down. And, and I, I think of what it means for our souls. That some of you might come in here restless. Some of you might come in here wondering what I could do to be right with God. Some of you might be riled up today, but I wish that God would just speak to you and say, sit down, be at peace. The work is done. If Jesus sat down, we have right to sit down. And the reason I love this is because in in every other area of my life, I'm always striving and straining. In every other area of my life, I'm trying to be like this guy, right? And I set goals, and I'm not sure how close I am to them. I'm probably further away from them. But at least in this arena of my life, I can rest today saying, it is done, it's accomplished. And one of my favorite phrases is found in verse 14. Look at verse 14. It says, so by this one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever. He's made perfect forever. Could you turn to the person next to you and just say you're perfect? You're perfect. You're perfect. Isn't that awesome? And I know you hear this regularly at your home. But isn't it good to just realize that today? You're you're perfect. And, And what do I mean? What do I mean? I mean that if this is the last day on earth for you, I mean if Jesus comes back today, You are perfect in the eyes of God through faith in him. That faith is what credits us, which gives us the perfect life of God. And you get to dwell in that today. And so I want you to to say something, do something else with me. I want you to repeat this phrase with me as well. I want you to say, I'm everything I need to be right now because of Jesus. Could you say this with me? Ready? One, two, three. I'm everything I need to be right now because of Jesus. I have the approval of a heavenly father when I'm striving and straining for everyone else's. I can rest in that. But then there's this dichotomy. Read the rest of verse 14 with me. It says, For the one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And some of you might look at this and say, Pastor, does this mean I can be like an unholy rebel? Can I sow my wild oats right now because of this? And you must know that the Spirit of God says, No, that's ridiculous. You must know that's not at all what we're talking about, and we don't find in this an excuse for sin. Right? Um, Rather, we have this dichotomy that those who are made perfect are being made holy. In other words, even though you're finished, you're unfinished. Even though you're perfect, you're in progress. That your justification might be complete and your status secure before God, but your sanctification is ongoing and you're striving and going and that is good for you to do. God declares the unfinished finished and the in progress perfect. And I want to talk a little bit about this. And I consider just, again, the seasons of life that we have. And I want to know, did you guys have any awkward seasons of life 
Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them their awkward season of life? I'm just kidding. Don't tell them their awkward season of life. Um, I'll let you know my awkward season of life, though. It was about fourth, fifth grade. Um, here, here's a picture. I'm, I'm this dude. And uh, thank you, Mom, for the cardigan and turtleneck. Um, got really cool glasses. And if I go to Fleet and Farm and shop, I'm in the husky section, which is really cool, awesome, you know. And so uh, this is my awkward phase, and, and, and you might relate to your own. It's kind of fun to just think of these things, right, you know. And just as you have my awkward phase, maybe you have, like, your best phases, like, you know, the teenage or 20-year-old. I'm not sure when that happened, but, right, we have all these seasons where sometimes you feel better or worse about yourself and what you're bringing to the table. I'm going to put that picture away. Thank you. Anyway, um, I think what happens in life can also happen spiritually, don't you think? You can have spiritual seasons in your faith life. And, and maybe right now some people came on, on the awkward phase. And just so you know, that's all right. I'm just glad you're here, right? And maybe right now you know you had a light, but it's hiding under a bushel. And I'm here to say no, right? And, and maybe right now you're, you're on fire for the Lord, right? Maybe there's some who are just like, man, I can't believe how God has strengthened me and using me. And you just you have my week. I just, he, he propelled me past it because I'm just, I'm in a good season right now. But you need to know today, regardless of your spiritual season, Though in progress, you're perfect. No matter where you fall. And so what I find is that God loves us through an awkward phase. That if you are in Him, regardless of how brightly your your light is shining or, or not, He loves you and He's perfected you. And what this does, it gives peace to my straining. It gives peace to my effort to live for him, because I don't know about you, but I have lofty goals. See, see, I want to be the best reflection of Jesus as I can be. I want when people look at me, they see kindness, and they see love, and they see forgiveness. But I don't know how I'm doing. And I drop the ball a lot. But it gives peace to my progress because of this truth. Because I'm perfect in the midst of progress or lack thereof. Did you get that? My Heavenly Father has the same confirmation over my life regardless of how brightly I'm shining or not, and He does for you. It gives peace not only to my progress or lack thereof, but also to my past. That if in my past there was a completely awkward stage, if in my past there was a stage where my light was hidden, God says, be at peace. I perfected you then too. You know, I heard a story of uh, Billy Graham's wife. Billy Graham's wife, um, she uh, went through construction. And uh, we're familiar with orange cones in Chicago area. And maybe you saw some orange cones coming here. I'm not sure. Thankfully, winter clears that up a little bit. Um, but, but she got to the end of the construction, and she read this sign that says, Construction over. Thank you for your patience. And, and when, uh, Ruth Bell, or when Ruth Bell Graham died, she put that on her tombstone. She put, end of construction, thank you for your patience. I bring that up because as you leave today, you know that reality too, that God is still working on you, isn't he? That your construction is not complete. That as long as we live, we are being made holy and no one says, I'm there, I'm arrived. But to hear again that I'm perfect in the midst of progress and I'm finished though unfinished. That is your peace today. And and so now I want to leave you. How could this affect our day-to-day living? 
How could this spiritual truth affect every day that you live? And here I think it's a matter of approval. Are you living for someone else's approval? Maybe tomorrow you go to work and you're living for the boss's approval. Maybe you're in a family and you just love for your kids to look on you well or, or for a spouse. And you just, you're always searching for this approval. I think a lot of our goals are dictated by the approval we seek to gain. Maybe it's just the approval of ourselves. But the way this affects our day-to-day is that if you let the approval of God be the loudest voice in your life, I believe you can stop trying so hard. If you let the approval of God and the declaration finished over your life, you can be okay no matter about your goal setting. See, it works this way. That in life, you might get close to where you'd want to be. You might get backwards if you're anything like me. You might get anywhere in between, but the resounding answer is perfect spiritually through Jesus. That is your peace and the reason for our joy. Let me pray for you. We pray. Heavenly Father, so often I get overwhelmed, striving and straining to do more. Help me this day to find my rest in you. Thank you that when it comes to my salvation, you haven't asked more or less of me, but you sent your Son. Help me to live in thanks to you, but help me also to retain the peace that you won, the peace that I am perfected, though still in progress. I pray this in the name of the great high priest who gave the greatest sacrifice, whose name is Jesus. Amen.